you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. So today is the second part of our series on unchanging. Uh, Pastor Mark, you know, introduced the series last week. And so now we're going to continue the story with Isaac. And this is going to take place in Isaac chapter 20, or Isaac, (laughs) Isaac. I'm just renaming the whole Bible, whatever, okay? Genesis chapter 26. So let's go ahead and read today's uh, verses, okay? And, oh, and, and today's, sorry, today's title is The Blessing of Obedience. So I want to, I want to actually, before we get into the, the scripture, I do want to throw, throw this out there to you. You know, sometimes we look at the word obedience and we go, <laughs> you know, this is obedience. You must obey. Right? And we get this negative connotation with the word obedience. But today, I just feel like the Holy Spirit is actually trying to get across to each one of us that obedience is good. Obedience is not negative. Obedience does not mean that we have to work for our salvation or work for God's favor. But you'll find that today that it is simply the natural process, or actually supernatural process, of us responding to the love and grace of God. You know, as I said at the beginning, you know, God is unchanging. He hasn't changed the way he's done business from day one. From the Garden of Eden until now, his grace and mercy are forefront in everything that he does. So we're just going to continue on and read the scripture. So... Starting in verse 1 of Genesis 26, now there was a famine in the land besides the previous famine that had occurred in the days of Abraham. So Isaac went to Gerar, to Abimelech, the king of the Philistines. The Lord appeared to him and said, do not go down to Egypt, stay in the land which I shall tell you. Sojourn in the land and I will be with you and bless you for uh, you and your descendants I will give these lands, and I will establish the oath which I swore to your father Abraham. Next slide. I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven, and I will give your descendants all these lands. And by your descendants, all of the nations of the earth shall be blessed, because Abraham obeyed me and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. So Isaac lived in Gerar. Next slide. When the, man, the men of the place asked about his wife. He said, this is my sister. Wait a minute, that sounds familiar. It sounds just like his father Abraham, right? For he was afraid to say, my wife, thinking the men of this place might kill me on the account of Rebekah, for she is beautiful. And it came about when he had been there a long time that Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked out through a window, and saw, and behold, Isaac was caressing his wife, Rebekah. PDA, okay, just remember that. (laughs) Then Abimelech called to Isaac and said, Behold, certainly she is your wife. How then did you say she is my sister? And Isaac said to him, Because I said I might die on account of her. And Abimelech said, Why, or what is this that you have done to us? One of the people might have easily lain with your wife, and you would have brought guilt upon us. So Abimelech charged all the people, saying, Who touches this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. 
Now Isaac sowed in that land. Just keep that in mind. Okay, as we go through this study today, keep that in mind. Sowing in the land that God has chosen for you. Okay? And reaped in the same year a hundredfold. And the Lord blessed him. And the man became rich and continued to grow richer until he became very wealthy. Next slide. For he had possessions of flocks and herds and a great household, so that the Philistines envied him. Now all the wells which the father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham, his father, the Philistines stopped up by filling them with earth. Then Abimelech said to Isaac, go away from us, for you are too powerful for us. And Isaac departed there and camped in the valley of Gerar and settled there. Amen. So as we're praying and preparing for this sermon, the Lord dropped a really unique parable into my heart. And I'm just going to share that to kind of set the stage for today's message. So the parable is this. There is a man who wanted to build a house. So he hired somebody to build that house for him. He already had all the plans drafted up. Everything is set, all the materials, all the, the uh, you know, where the rooms are going, and everything was, was set. And he gave those plans to the person that he hired. So the person he hired got the plans, and he began to look at the plans and going, whoa, this is really, like, detailed. And man, the this, this stuff that's in this is just incredible. I just, I can't believe it, but I don't, I don't know if I can do this. This is, this is too much. So he began to build the house. And he tried to build it according to the master plan. However, the servant began to use materials that were not up to par. He began to work at a, at a level that was not quite where it was supposed to be. So he began to put things in place that weren't according to the plan. And he would show up to work sometimes, and he'd be like, man, I just I got so much going on. I, gotta, I got things to do after work, so I'm going to cut out early. Or whenever they would deliver the materials, he would say, you know what, I, I think I can save some money. I think I can cut some corners. And instead of marble... I'm just going to use the porcelain imitation marble. It'll look like marble. In fact, I think it'll be more durable because it, you know, it's, it's, going, to, it's going to work better. So the, the master came with his plans and began to inspect the work that the builder was doing. And as he walked through the house, he began to notice that things weren't exactly according to plan. And so he brought the, uh, the builder to himself, and he said, I'm very sorry, but you're not building the house according to my plans. I'm going to have to let you go. So he had to find somebody else to build this house. So he went out and looked, and he found another builder and gave him the plans, same process. The guy rolled open the, the plans and said, whoa, this is incredible. This is an amazing house. Man, even... He even wants a gold toilet and gold knobs on the, on the doors. And, you know, this is amazing, right? So he began to build on that, that plan. And as he worked and worked and worked, he even found ways to improve 
upon the plan that was given to him. So at the end, when he was finished, he went and told the master, I've finished the work that you have given me to do. So the, the master brought the plans, looked at them, looked at the work, and said, truly, you have done what I have asked of you. And even more so, you have done above and beyond what I have asked for you. And as soon as he had completed, rolled up the, the plans, reached in his pocket, pulled out a set of keys, and handed them to the builder, and says, this house is now yours. The one that had been released was watching this, and he had regretted that he didn't trust in the plans. And he saw that he had missed out on what the builder had planned for him. So today we're going to be talking about the obedience of faith. We need faith first before we can establish obedience. In fact, as we're talking about unchanging, God has not changed since the beginning. Faith is at the center of what we do. Just like the builder, you need to have faith in the plans that God has for you. The plans are laid out in his word. And Jesus even said that we are the master builder. We are the ones who build upon the foundation of himself that he gives to each one of us. Obedience is what we do when we build according to his strength and to his power and his plan. Just remember that nothing that we do should be rooted in a motivation from ourselves as to say, I want to do this to either get salvation or get favor from God. It's always going to be rooted in something deeper. And it's going to be rooted in, first, the obedience of faith. In fact, you know, when we look at the story, Isaac, it appears, was fleeing to Egypt because God had to stop him. He had to actually say to Isaac, do not go down into Egypt. And in fact, we need a relationship with God first before obedience can take place. We don't just follow God's law or follow God's word to get a relationship with him. Jesus has already accomplished that work for us. He's provided it. So we respond through faith. The word says that faith is the thing that pleases God the most. In fact, the word says that without faith, we are incapable of pleasing the Lord. And that relationship also must be established in response to the revelation of God's love, which is provided through Jesus Christ. Next slide. I'll just go ahead and read it to you. This is Romans 6. It says, Blessed are those whose lawless deeds have been forgiven, and whose sins have been covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will not take into account. This is, this is what Jesus has bought for us. This is where the first step of obedience takes place, because we're obedient to the faith. We're obedient 
to the fact, wait a minute, God has taken sin out of the way. He's removed it. It's no longer a condition of our relationship, but it is a result of the right relationship between Jesus and God the Father. It was established on the cross. In fact, our first test is to obey the gospel. So that's when we come into a, a relationship with Jesus for the first time, we are actually being obedient. We are obeying the gospel, the good news. So when somebody tells you good news, you respond, right? So if I made an announcement today, you know, there's free ribs and chicken at, uh, at, uh, at Frank's place over there at Jamaican Grill, I think, uh, you know, you're not going to have enough seats over there to feed everybody, right? Because that would be good news to most of us, right? Free chicken and ribs at Jamaican Grill, right? <laughs> good news, right? But, but think about what Frank, think about Frank though, if he's sitting there, he's prepared, he prepared all of this food. Everything has been made beforehand. Nobody shows up. What's that? Well, you know, they told me I had to go. Really? Is that how you look at the gospel? You have to go? No. I mean, honestly, it is open to you whether or not you like chicken and ribs. But at the same time, it is open to you whether or not you see the value of what Jesus had done for you on that cross. It starts with the appreciation of value. See, it's, it's a response of love. When, when we respond in love to something, it's because we see value in it. We see its worth. We see that it's worthy. That's, you know, we've often heard that when it comes to worship, we are responding in worthship. There's a purpose to what we do behind the lifting of our hands, the singing of our voices, because it's going to be followed up with something of action. That something of action is obedience. Next slide. It starts with us understanding that at the root of it is our salvation. In Romans 10, uh, verse 9, it says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's belief. For with a heart, the person believes. It starts with the heart. It's what you love. Confesses resulting in salvation. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. This whole process is the same. The beginning is the same, the journey is the same, the ending is the same. Romans 6, verse 17, but thanks be to God that though you were slaves of sin, you became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching which you were committed. And having been freed from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. See, this is about persevering in the truth of the Word of God. Sometimes we don't look at that verse and go, yeah, I've truly been freed from sin. Some, because we look at it experientially. We look at it in the mirror, right? We look at our lives and we go, eh, 
I still got some stuff that I'm dealing with. But God is a God of grace. And there's also the scripture that says that if we are putting to death the deeds of the flesh, we will live. It didn't say if you have put them all to death, then you will live. Because we are growing. We are in the process of increasing. Isn't that what we said during worship this morning? Isn't that what was proclaimed already? That God wants to increase us. Growth. Fruit. Fruitfulness. Next slide. Romans 16.25 says, Now to him who is able to strengthen you, it's in him. According to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages but has now been disclosed through the prophetic writings, has been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith. To the only wise God be glory forevermore. Amen. So when we look at obedience, we look at what Isaac is displaying for us. God did not want him going to Egypt. So what is Egypt? We often look at Egypt as being a representation of the world, right? Whenever we want to solve our problems, whenever we want to look for a solution, whenever we want to appease ourselves or um, you know, find rest, God is saying, don't go to the world. Come to me. Learn of me, for I am meek and lowly. He says, I will give you rest, right? Lay your yoke upon me, says the Lord. I will give you rest. So many times we go out to the world thinking it's going to supply what we need. And the word is, is clear on it. It says, yeah, it, it, it'll satisfy your need, but only for a moment. And then that moment is gone, and we're left feeling empty and unfulfilled. But thanks be to God that his grace is still available, and we can keep coming back to him and going, that didn't work. I was dumb. That didn't work. I was dumb. Because sometimes we are a little thick, aren't we? We're a little slow in reasoning. We're a little underhanded in our way that we deal with things because it, at the center of who we are, we're selfish people. We're, we're beings of sin. We, we're, we're rooted in that. And God is in the business of severing those roots and grafting us into a new tree that brings fruit that meets repentance, that lasts in eternity. In fact, obedience is born in that freedom that God gives to us. Obedience is not demanded of you. Obedience is not an obligation. But obedience is an opportunity. It's something that we now get to do because of Jesus. If you look at it as something that, you know, God is training us in obedience. He's training us to go to Him. He's training us that when we go to Him, He will supply our obedience. Because the Word says that He will provide our righteousness. It will be born as the noonday. It will appear in our lives as something that was not there before. That God is able to bring to life those things which were dead. He's capable. He's able. 
and he will do it. In fact, faith positions us for favor. Favor is already there through Jesus Christ. Where is favor? It's with him. In order for us to have that favor, guess where we got to go? To him. It's not birthed within us. It's not something we do of our own strength. But we find it in the person of Jesus Christ. And we find that it will always meet the need that we are seeking for. In fact, we do not seek after God's favor. We shouldn't. We should seek God's love that brings obedience, which then brings favor. It's always rooted in faith. Our motives should grow from our love for God, not in loving ourselves and desiring blessing and favor for our own consumption. But love is always focused on something other than itself. It's birthed. So next slide. So obedience is found in love, right? Elmore's and Jen, they're, they're celebrating their anniversary this week, right? So do you think that Elmore feels like, man, okay, I have to set something up, right? I've got to go make reservations and go out and have a meal with my wife. Man, this is going to be hard. No, he loves Jen. It's like he's going to do it because... He's got the little pitter-patter in his heart, right? <laughs> right? I mean, we hear, we, we hear, you know, Elmore joke about it all the time, you know, that he's like the, you know, the frog prince or something. I don't know, but I rebuke that in Jesus' name. Because <laughs> Elmore's got a beautiful heart. But the reality is, is that God wants us to shift from this worldly mentality that obedience is obligatory, that it's, you know, you have to do it. No, it's birthed out of that relationship that you continue to grow in with Jesus Christ. As you know Him more, you will obey Him more because you're going to love Him more. And in fact, when obedience is based in love, it's not about what we have to do or about obligation, but it's what we get to do as a reminder it's a proper reaction to God's love and grace, His divine favor and blessing. We, it will come if we are willing to persevere in it. In fact, Galatians 6, 9 says, if we do not grow weary in doing good, we will reap the blessings that God has for us. Next slide. John 4 says, so the woman left the water pot. This is about the woman at the well. If you're not familiar with the story, Jesus uh, basically showed up and began to read her mail, if everybody knows what that means. He began to speak things about her that only God would know. And she was convicted, but at the same time, she realized, wait a minute, I, I perceive you're a prophet. You're from God. And... In that process, God, or Jesus began to show himself to her. Called himself the living water, that if you drink of this cup, you will never thirst again. But the water that you're going to the well for, you will thirst again. But if you drink of this cup. 
So after receiving Christ, it says that she left her water pot and went into the city and said to them, come and see a man who told me all things that I have done. This is not the Christ, is it? She's, her eyes were opened. She began to respond out of love. She began to, to realize that there's a personal touch from Jesus Christ, and she began to respond. And I want you to, to kind of get that into your spirit, that obedience isn't something that you do out of the sweat and your effort and your will. It's born and birthed in the relationship of love that you have with Jesus Christ. Next slide. Zephaniah chapter 3 says, The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. His love, in his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will, will, will rejoice over you with singing. You choose to put yourself into the love of God. That is your choice. And in fact, over the years, no matter how hard I try, there's only one thing that I can do. Choose Christ. That's it. Either I choose him or I don't. There's really no other effort to be put forward. Because after I receive Christ, the effort gets put in me. It gets birthed in me. And it's very specific to each thing that God wants us to do. And his word is revealed to us along the way so that we can obey it. It's not there to condemn us. It's not there to say you're failing. It's there to say this is who you can be now. This is who you can become. It is possible. Do you believe me? Do you trust me? Is what the Lord is saying. 1 John 5 says... For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. Not burdensome. Why? Because out of love, we want to do them. We want to respond specifically out of our love for Jesus Christ. Next slide. John 14, 21 says, And he who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. That's a powerful word. For me, this is, this is where the life is found. This is where my life in Jesus Christ is found. I place myself under the love of God. And when I do that, he will disclose himself to me. Many of us struggle and, and battle against our flesh only because we will not put ourselves under the love of God. We find reasons to not do that. Either there's shame involved or there's guilt involved or there, there's pride involved in the way that we look at it and go, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a failure. I can't do this. This is too hard. There's not enough strength in me, so therefore I can't do this. I can't put myself under the love of God. But that's not reasonable, is it? When God's love is free, there is nothing that you have to bring to the table to receive the love of God. 
It's open and free and has been bought for you. There's a heavy, high price that was paid for that love so that you could have this amazing opportunity to have this amazing relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's real. And it goes deep within the personhood of who we are. It goes deep in our heart. Amen? Amen. Amen. Okay. Even C.S. Lewis said that obedience is the key that opens every door. And then, of course, Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. So the test of love is obedience, but the reward is the love. It is but it is a reward of the love of Christ. Next slide, John 21. Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things, and you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. This was Peter. He was addressing Peter. So in this scripture, we see that Jesus isn't looking at love apart from obedience. He's tying the two together. There's a purpose here. If we love Christ, we're going to obey him. If we love those in our family, it's not like, you know, we do what they say, but we look at their life and we provide to them what they need. We do it out of love. We don't do it out of, I have to do this. We do it because we get to. Because we see value in our children, in our relationships that we have with our spouses, and even the relationships that we have within our greater circles, our friends, our, our, uh, you know, the people that we connect with here in church. It's built on love. You know, we do things because we love those that we serve. Next slide. So, obviously, there's going to be a high cost of disobedience. These are the challenges that we often face. This is where the enemy comes in and tries to tempt us away, tries to convince us that being obedient is too hard, tries to convince us that it's of no use, it's, it's you know, you might as well just go ahead and succumb to your nature, it's who you are. But we see, as we go into this next scripture, I want you to pay attention to the word pictures that are presented Let's go to the next slide. This is taken out of Jeremiah chapter 17. And it says, Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in mankind and makes flesh his strength. Remember, we're talking about this is not something out of effort that you do. And it's also not where we go to mankind or to the world for our trust and our salvation, our solution, our favor. Okay? and whose heart turns away from the Lord. Remember, we go to Christ. Our heart goes to Christ. We place ourselves under the love of Christ. For he will be like a bush in the desert and will not see when prosperity comes, but will live in stony wastes in the wilderness, a land of salt without inhabitants. Church, how many of us have tried the ways of the world even after knowing Christ and find ourselves, or found ourselves in the stony wastes of the wilderness. Amen? 
This is a place of testing, a place of training. It's not the final destination. So if you find yourself in this stony waste right now, this is not your destination. This is not the place that you're going to find yourself staying. God is going to come in and he's going to move mightily in your heart and in your life. Why? Because he promised it. He promised that I will never leave you nor forsake you. You came to him with full assurance of your salvation. But even though the enemy may have placed you in a place of compromise, placed you in a place of defeat, maybe you took the bait and you decided to do your own thing. But God is saying that's not the last word. Our love and obedience is, our obedience is based in love. It's not based in you have to. Our obedience is based in the fact that we trust that God is going to rescue even those that are trapped and stuck and wallowing. God is able to reach in and pull you out. But you have to respond. And in fact, you know, I had a season of my own, nine years to be exact. I may have said it before, but I just think it's worth repeating here that, you know, I did my time in the wilderness, in the stony wastes of the desert, where I would party and I would go do things and I would, and I'm thinking, I'm, you know, I'm exercising my freedom, right? I still got wild oats to sow, <laughs> right? But guess what? Every time I put my head on that pillow, I was not at peace. I was not at rest. There was something that was eating away at who I was. And in fact, I was serving the unholy trinity, really. I was serving me. I had chosen to serve myself instead of serving God because I put my desires above God's. I put my wants and needs above God's. And in fact, I also took the bait of looking at the world and thinking that's where my pleasure, that's where my joy, all that stuff comes from. Because it's, you know, we're rooted to that stuff. We're stuck to it. But through different various means and ways, we get stuck there. But God is in the business of severing those old ties, those old things that are keeping us bound. But oftentimes we have to first start with that confession to God and saying, God, yeah, I'm in a place where I don't need to be. And then we have to bring that confession to another trusted friend and believer and say, hey, you know, I need to confess this. I need to get this out into the light. I need to share this. And I need to begin that process of healing. And then you've got to take that as high as God instructs you to do. Because it's not about shame. It's about release and freedom into the will of God. Next slide. Romans 6 also says that, do you not know that when you present yourselves to someone as slaves for obedience, you are slaves to the one with whom you, to whom you obey? Either sin resulting in death or obedience resulting in righteousness. 
And in fact, Charles Spurgeon says, if a man obeys because he has no opportunity of doing otherwise, and if he was free, he would at once become a rebel, then there is nothing in his obedience. Because disobedience will bring disappointment, it will bring deception, and it will bring God's discipline. So let's not stay there, amen? Let's go on to the blessing of obedience. And I'm going to begin to close here. Next slide, Romans 17. I'm sorry, Jeremiah 17. This is the, the counterpart to what I read earlier. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose trust is the Lord. For he will be like a tree planted by the water that extends its roots by a stream and will not fear when the heat comes. But its leaves will be green and it will not be anxious in a year of drought nor cease to yield fruit. The heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart, test the mind, even to give to each man according to his ways, according to the results of his deeds. God tests you for your benefit. And he provides a report card to you every single day. And that report card is come, comes through the conviction of the Holy Spirit. But trust in it. It's not there to condemn you. It's there to reveal the truth to you. If the truth is valuable to you, then you will take heed. And you will allow the Holy Spirit to draw you back to a place of goodness, of love, of mercy. But it will also provide to you a stronger walk and a stronger purpose and a stronger perspective of your daily walk with God so that we don't fall back into these old ways of thinking, thinking, I can, I can do whatever I want. I'm still saved. I'm still, no. It's not that you can't do whatever you want and not be saved, but it's that thought process has got to be renewed because we, we can curse ourselves with those types of thoughts. And we, are allow, we then allow ourselves to end up in a place where we can fail. But that is not where God wants us. And in fact, according to the word that we see here in Jeremiah chapter 17, he's talking specifically about the heat. You mentioned, do you notice that? How many of us feel a lot of heat in our life, right? And more times than not, we are going to wither under that heat, right? We're not going to make it. That's how we feel. But God is saying when you are a tree planted by the stream, even when the heat comes, you're not going to wither. In fact, you're still going to produce fruit. There's still going to be victory. There's still going to be a, a place of purpose in each one of our lives. And there was, uh, you know, Pastor Mark shared with me during one of our I think it was during one of our uh, times together where we were preparing for this message, or I don't remember which, but it was talking about the Ten Commandments. And he said there was a perspective that he received that I think is important for us to be able to share at this point. When you look at the Ten Commandments, right, it says you will have no other gods beside me. You will honor your father and your mother. You shall not murder, you know, all the Ten Commandments that we have. 
But if you were to look at each commandment specifically, what Pastor Mark said was that each commandment, when followed, is what love looks like. If I love God, I will not have any other gods. If I love my parents, I will honor them. If I love my fellow man, I won't want to murder them. If I love the truth, I won't want to lie. So church, this morning, it's about our heart. Let's go to the last slide. I just created a little graphic here that I want to close with. When, it, when we're looking at the blessing of obedience, it starts with faith. It's cultivated by love. Produces obedience, which is a fruit. And because of the obedience that is produced, we receive favor. And that cycle just keeps going. Because once we receive that favor, we're, we're, we're amazed at what God is doing in our life. So we have more faith. And we increase in love. We increase in obedience. We increase in favor. And we're blown away and we go back and start the process all over again. And we grow in faith. And we grow in love. And we grow in obedience. And we're amazed. This is the process that God wants us to yield to. And he wants to say to you, trust in me. Trust in the process that I have given through my word. That obedience is it's a fruit that's born out of faith. It's born out of my love for each one of you. So I just want to pray for everybody this morning and give God the opportunity to respond to you. So just go ahead and close your eyes and, and just give God a few minutes to just speak to your heart. And maybe you just got to ask a simple question. Lord, where in this process do I need to focus more on you? And if you find that even here this morning that you realize that maybe you've been looking at this the wrong way, that you've been trying too hard, you've been putting too much effort into obeying. Maybe you feel like there's been no fruit. And maybe God wants to bring you back to the focus of who he is in your life. Maybe God just wants to remind you that all you need to do is rest in his promise over you. That he is capable. He wants your confidence to be placed in him. That he is able to do what he has promised in his word. That's why his word is good news. Because that good news is there for you. Every one of you, no matter where you're at in your walk, whether you have a walk or not, whether your walk is just starting out or whether you're a, a seasoned veteran, been in the battle for years, 
God still wants to increase us and to cause us to be able to display his glory through each one of us. So Father, we thank you for the word that you've given today. We thank you for your people that sit in a place of favor because of Jesus, of what you have done on that cross. You have made favor available to those of us who want to respond and know you. It comes through that relationship, Father. So Father, every head bowed and every eyes closed. Father, if there's anybody in this house that wants to establish that relationship, I want to give that opportunity this morning. So if there's anybody in here that maybe just wants to start that journey for the first time today, if you want to just go ahead and slip up your hand and, and we'll, we'll, we'll pray with you. Amen. See that hand? Thank you. Anybody else? See that hand? Thank you. Thank you, Lord. We just want to rest here for a moment. Allow the Holy Spirit to stir in your heart. To reveal himself to you. Make himself known so that you know that it is him that's operating within you and that it's not yourself. So Father, we thank you for those that raised their hands this morning. And it's just a simple prayer that you can just follow along with. Father God, I thank you for your provision that you have given through your son, Jesus Christ. That if I confess, and I do, with my mouth that you raised Jesus from the dead you said that I would be saved and it is through this relationship that I want to know you this relationship with Jesus Christ and I ask for your Holy Spirit to come into my heart as I repent of my unbelief and I repent of my sin and I turn my life over to you as Lord and I will trust that you will bring forth my righteousness as the noonday, as it says in your word. In Jesus' name I pray.